Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. Uh, we are talking to Dr. Anne McPhail today. She's a professor at the University of Limerick, where she's the assistant dean for research. Uh, her uh, research interests are diverse, uh, include physical education, teacher education, uh, teacher education in general, uh, curriculum and assessment, uh, curriculum and instructional models, self-study, uh, and young people's experiences in physical education and sport. So uh, very happy to have her on today. And here we go with a new episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Okay, so the article we're highlighting today is titled Physical Education and Sport Pedagogy and the Three A's, Apprenticeship, Academia, and Administration, which was published in Sport Education and Society. So thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, so to get us started, uh, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about the background behind this manuscript uh, and your motivation to write it. Uh, if I understand correctly, this was part of a lecture that you gave at the British Educational Research, Research Association. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I had been, um, I was fortunate enough to be invited to deliver it as part of the, the Physical Education and Sport Pedagogy uh, Special Interest Group um, at BIRA. Um, and that's a lecture that, that, that acknowledges the contribution that the individuals have made um, to, to the, the P-sport pedagogy field. And at the time, I was chair um, of a department of physical education and sports science and was dealing with, um, you know, a number of roles but that were not exclusively uh, mutual. Uh, and this was really a, a sort of autobiographical piece in relation to sharing um, some of the the, the challenges and rewards that, that arise from that. Right. And several of the folks involved in coordinating this podcast, um, Aaron Santeo and Kevin Richards, uh, to name a few, have connections to the American Educational Research Association. Uh, and we've really benefited from having a very strong contingent of international scholars at our conferences. Uh, do you say, see the same thing at BERA? And what could we do to get more U.S. scholars involved? Um, <clears throat> there's certainly a strong European focus in, in relation to, to BIRA and um, the, the P-Sport Pedagogy Special Interest Group. I, I appreciate the, the comment uh, um, about, you know, getting more US scholars involved. I'm not sure that, you know, the notion of, of, of travel is a solution uh, to that. I think we need to start to think of different ways in which we can actually connect um, so we all travel a lot as it is. There's already a lot of opportunities for us to attend professional organisation uh, opportunities. So perhaps we need to start to think more about, you know, um, journal editorial boards. You know, can we look at having um, a wider geographical representation um, on editorial boards? Um, can we, within our journals, look at ensuring there's a, a geographical uh, mix uh, of, of the nature of studies um, that, that we're, we're publishing? Um, things like internationalisation uh, in both examining uh, PhD theses um, and, pub and publication with each other. I, I think there's a lot we can do um, within our, our respective spaces that will increase um, our involvement with each other without it being solely reliant on us having to travel. Right. And I know you've done a great job at uh, Limerick with the internet, uh, having an international presence on some of those uh, recent theses, uh, recent dissertation uh, defenses. So yeah. 
Um, yeah. Now, in the paper, uh, you talk a little bit about sport pedagogy and its relationship with physical education. Um, so looking at this from a U.S. perspective, uh, some scholars have a tendency to use physical education and sport pedagogy interchangeably. And I know I have done that as well. But my understanding is that you actually differentiate between the two. Can you discuss this? Um, that's a paper in itself. Um, I, I think, you know, when I draw the actual, my my definition that I, I talk about in the paper is when we look at um, sport pedagogy being um, sort of disciplined inquiry from different perspectives, um, concerned with teaching and coaching in a variety of contexts with the outcome to be to, to inform and improve um, sport practice. Now, that works for those of us who consider sport to be a, an underpinning a concept for, for, for physical education. And I think the, the physical education sport pedagogy is used in a number of instances where people want to extract um, physical education or physical education teacher education specifically from that much wider notion um, of sport pedagogy, which is by definition concerned with education um, in uh, and the move uh, and means of sport. But I think the physical education piece adds a dimension in relation to highlighting the, the sort of pedagogical aspect in relation to schools that perhaps sport pedagogy as a term in itself uh, might not convey to others. And thank you for that clarification. Um, now let's get into the paper. The approach that you take in writing this paper almost feels autobiographical. Um, can you talk about why you took this approach and is there anything about your background that you discuss in the paper or just otherwise that you think our listeners would benefit from understanding in relation to the paper that we're talking about? Um, yeah, I, I, I really believe um, that our biographies are central um, to the work that we undertake and how we then undertake that work. And I think what it helps the reader um, appreciate is um, how we position ourselves. Um, so it's almost courteous to the reader, you know, to share our biographies and um, to understand the opportunities that we've had or, or we don't have. Um, and also for them to understand the space that we inhabit. Um, so, you know, we bring a lot with us to what we do, to what we write. And a lot of that is entrenched in us, in our, our lifestyles and our, our, our life growing up. And I've always had a very strong um, background in, in apprenticeship in relation to my parents, and they were both tradespeople. And I think I, I carry that with me, uh, and I'm and appreciative for the opportunity we have to be apprentices and, and to learn through that. And then if you can build on that, that's where then the, the um, academic uh, administration opportunities come from. Right. And I, I appreciated reading about kind of your background and how you got into physical education, teacher education, and it, it's not necessarily a direct route. And you talk about that and it made me kind of feel better about my track because mine is a lot, uh, you know, it's circuitous as well. Um, so it was nice to kind of read that setting for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, securus is an interesting word. I, I would, I would maybe say, you know, a privileged background to some extent, in that, you know, times times change and times were changing when I was when I'd finished my my PhD and was working as a as a research associate. So I was, I was spending time 
in a research environment and had the teaching background. And many people that I then met when I was coming into teacher ed had not had that opportunity and the goalposts were changing for them. So I think it's really important that people understand that, you know, I had the timing for me has supported in a sense, you know, um, the opportunities that I have had that others haven't had because they had they'd come through a different system. Um, so I don't want to cheat the reader from thinking, um, you know, that everything has come solely from, you know, myself as an individual. A lot of it is circ in the circumstances that you actually find yourself. Right. And it's, you know, a lot to be said to the people who trust you to complete the tasks that they give you and the opportunities yeah. that you're given along the way that, you know, make make a huge difference. Yep. So uh, the majority of the manuscript uh, discusses what could almost be viewed as career phases for sport pedagogy professors. Um, before going through each phase individually, uh, maybe you could talk about um, the phases of apprenticeship, academia, and ad administration in a broader sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, apprenticeship, apprenticeship really occurs through um, your participation in a wide range of, of learning opportunities. Um, that allow you to progress within and beyond your workplace. So as I was saying before, you know, an accumulation um, of what you've been exposed to um, allows you um, to, to experience, you know, um, that notion of apprenticeship. And I think perhaps what's different in relation to how I enact that um, or perceive my enactment of that is that um, apprenticeship, academia, administration, it's not a linear um, process. I've remained an apprenticeship throughout all of those different positions that I talk about and I will always be an apprenticeship. I would position myself as, a, as an apprenticeship in relation to the notion of lifelong learning. Um, so as I'm an apprenticeship in, in anything that, that I'm exposed to, you know, I'm always looking to progress, you know, within and beyond the, the workplace. Then academia is a wee bit more um, bounded in relation to um, it, it tends to be about the accumulation of knowledge, its development and its transmission. Um, and in, in my instance, that resides within uh, a higher um, education institution. And then administration um, is more related to the academic related tasks that you undertake um, to contribute to maintaining and overseeing the running of an institution. So there are many people in academia um, who choose not um, to follow uh, an administration path um, in order to allow them to focus more on, on their accumulation of knowledge um, as opposed to perhaps con contributing to um, the running um, of an institution. Great, and thanks for that kind of overview. Um, the, the first phase that you discussed was apprenticeship. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and kind of in the spirit of the autobiographical approach you've taken, maybe position yourself within that phase? Um, yeah. Um, I, it's interesting because I talk in the paper about, um, you know, my experiences and, and when, you know, I would first identified as, as within the apprenticeship phase. And it's actually not um, my PhD experience um, that I credit you know, with, with instigating my apprenticeship, apprenticeship phase, it was actually, you know, um, working within a, a sort of research associate environment. And I think that says quite a bit in relation to the power 
that a PhD experience can have in relation to um, people experiencing, you know, um, apprenticeship. Um, I, I think it, it certainly, uh, to me, focuses the mind in relation to how important the actual PhD process can be in, in setting up uh, dispositions and experiences for predominantly early career or young scholars in relation to how they position themselves um, uh, towards the notion of lifelong learning and not being the expert at the end of your, your PhD experience. And how long did you have in that research associate position and where, where was that at? Um, I had three years. Uh, it was at Loughborough University uh, working uh, with David Kirk and I was on uh, yearly uh, contracts. So there was a level, certain level of uncertainty, uncertainty with that um, and I had a, a notion that I, I missed teacher education, but I only missed teacher education from having been a pre-service teacher um, in a programme. Um, I wasn't involved other than that at that point, but I felt that there was, the, I missed the teaching aspect. I had taught in school before that and I had missed the teaching aspect. So um, the apprenticeship came through really my research, having space in that research associate position to engage with school physical education and I used that in a sense as my apprenticeship in trying to look at how how can I then move into into that space right and would you uh, like a research associate how would you compare that to a postdoc which would you say that they are similar terms yeah uh, yeah yeah I would say they're very similar uh, in the sense that you know your your time is solely devoted um, to research and research activity. Um, now you can choose outside of that, you know, to enrich your CV with other experiences. Um, but it's a very privileged, a very privileged space if you're looking to um, increase your your research um, profile and experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and a great scholar to work with, and a great top university in the world to be at. So. Um, Great. So now let's move on to the second phase, uh, which you called academia. Uh, what does that mean generally and what did it mean for you more specifically? Yeah, um, I think you, the term academia you tend to use when you're you're going to move in. As a research associate, as I explained, I was very, um, very bound to research activity and nothing else outside of that. Um, I think academia tends to have a wider uh, notion of, of scholarship in that um, you have multiple responsibilities, not just in relation to, to necessarily research activity, but you have teaching and, and you have service. And I had this desire um, to work um, with those those young, young students who wanted to become uh, physical education teachers and uh, bucking the trend apparently if you read the literature was that you know i i chose to be involved in teacher education uh, many people tend to fall into uh, becoming teacher educators but, but i made a, a conscious decision um that i that i wish to move um from the research post um into um a teacher education position which in a sense would bring me more into uh, mainstream academia yeah and it's interesting i just had a conversation with a colleague about this today uh, about how you know we're we're trained oftentimes to do research in physical education or sport pedagogy in the doctoral programs, but then we go into teacher education 
and we end up landing in a peat institution, whereas maybe we were trained to be researchers in physical education, but not necessarily peat. And what you wanted to do was go into a specific peat program. So I thought that was a good kind of clarification of making that conscious decision to want to go into uh, teacher education. Uh, and that kind of leads me to my next question where you make the argument that sport pedagogy, uh, sport pedagogy should be viewed as an academic discipline. Uh, can you unpack that a little? What does this designation mean and why is it so important for the sport pedagogy community? Yeah, well, I think if you look at other disciplines and how they're, they're, they're defined, you know, we certainly, we could argue that we are um, a freestanding international community and we have our own professional associations and our specialist journals. And, and with that, that, that definition, uh, certainly we are a, an academic discipline. Um, I think the issue arises, though, where we tend to operate in academic institutions where the support um, or lack of support um, for that area um, is perhaps uh, valued less than other um, established uh, discipline areas. And I think sometimes we're at fault in relation to we need to be doing more work to educate people in relation to what actually um, sport pedagogy um, entails. So we need to be look, looking at engaging with you know the, the academic and institutional um, environment that we're in and, and educating people in relation to that. This actually is a distinctive subculture, perhaps um, of in American sense, a kinesiology um, or teacher and or teacher education. And that um, you know that we are being somewhat compromised by this continual notion that we could be embedded or folded into something else. So it's maintaining an identity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you had some great examples in the paper for um, for those of you who are interested to get more into that. Um, now, in the last phase, um, which is administration, um, why did you uh, decide to go into administration? And looking back. Uh, how do you feel about that decision, particularly in the light of some of the challenges that you describe in the paper? Yeah. So <clears throat> I suppose there's a pattern emerging here. Not only did I uh, admit to choosing um, to to leave research post to go into teacher education, I actively sought um, the the chair position, um, and. At the time I've written it, that I felt it was a moral obligation um, of academics to, to do those uh, types of posts. And I've since been warned that um, perhaps that's too strong. Um, we can't comment on each other's uh, morals or morality. Mm -hmm. So I, I've softened that, I think, to to still being honest that, you know, this, this notion of lifelong learning and you don't learn unless you're actually in particular um, spaces um, that allow you those opportunities. So that was one thing about learning more about leadership and management. And also, to be honest, was to look at the way in which I could increase the exposure um, of sport pedagogy um, within the university. Yeah, and I and I think that you talked about that in the paper of how you not just talking about running your specific program, but you knew that taking a leadership position would, you know, you could advocate for the profession in general, and you've done so not just in the sport pedagogy community, but also in greater academia. So it kind of 
uh, goes back to that second uh, second piece there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's very much related. And and you said at the start as well, you know, I, I, I'm an assistant dean of research. And so after two years of finishing the chair term, I've chosen again to proactively go back to an administrative post. Um, again, for, for not dissimilar reasons. Um, I, I mean, I crave knowledge and to continue to learn. And I also believe there's um, information that is is out there that perhaps isn't being shared um, as well as it could be with colleagues that would enhance, you know, the work environment and, and the understanding um, of the reality um, of doing the types of jobs that we do. So, um, again, um, I, I took that role on um, for not dissimilar reasons. Um, you know, and again, I have a, an opportunity here to educate others uh, further about you know the sport pedagogy space yeah and i think one of those things of moving this into that scholarship piece is how pete scholars are sometimes hesitant to submit their you know great manuscripts to outside of physical education uh and sport pedagogy journals and um you know overall a lot of us do but I, I at least personally look at it and go, oh, is this going to be accepted or are they just going to reject because it's too focused on physical education? And I think that you, in this paper, you talk about how that is also a necessity to branch out, to advocate for, you know, what we're doing. I mean, we're doing great work in the field. Absolutely. And sometimes it gets stuck in our specific journals instead of going out to a wider audience. No, absolutely, I agree. I think as a, as a as an area, um, we we are very strong in in certain aspects, um, and we have we have strong infrastructures in different places, um, and strong research. And um, we are more than able to compete with with other areas or fields at a university level, and um, perhaps not in funding, um, granted. But you know, I think we do need to we need to raise our profile, and and that's part of our our job. Nobody's going to do that for us. Uh, we need to advocate for that ourselves, and that has to be, in my mind, part of the the, the space that we give to being uh, an academic in, in a university. Yeah. Uh, so one of the best parts about this podcast is that we get to connect our listeners with amazing physical education and sport pedagogy scholars such as yourself, and and that they get to learn from your stories. So thinking broadly about this particular paper, what advice or guidance would you give uh, or pass along to current and aspiring faculty members, as well as in-service teachers? Yeah, I, I actually looked at the, the conclusion, or the closing comments of the paper, and in a sense, I suppose, you know, they're somewhat sanitized in relation to, you know, um, how you convey your, your feelings um, in a peer-reviewed paper. So I think I would be more um, more honest uh, in relation to saying that I think, first of all, you know, we need to be committed to our own continual learning um, and we need to be striving to improve um, our, our knowledge base. Um, I think also we need to be conscious and, and consider those who are in less privileged uh, spaces than, than we are uh, for whatever reason and, and whatever sense. Um, and also, I think, you know, let's be optimistic. Um, I use the phrase, the glass is half full. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the glass is more than half full in relation to, to the work that we are doing and the professional organisations that we have. 
Um, and I think it's a case of looking strategically at how we how we maintain that uh, rather than doing more of the same. How can we make more from what we currently do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a great place to leave off of. Um, I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, can you let people know where they can find more information on current work or um, what you're doing or your social media? Um, yeah, um, I, I'm active on uh, ResearchGate. It's relatively up to date in relation to access um, to any of the work. Um, my Twitter handle would be um, at Anne McPhail, uh, one And then um, in relation to my own uh, department uh, in the University of Limerick, we have an active blog um, at pes.blog. Uh, um, so I contribute uh, relatively frequently to that in relation to uh, reflecting on, on some of the publications um, that I've been involved in. Awesome. And if you have some young scholars or uh, scholars looking for a job opportunity, uh, do you have a position <laughs> open perhaps that you want to plug here? Um, not currently, um, but I'm always keen to and I will always respond to any inquiries um, that, that, that come. It's a very small community. Um, nationally far less internationally um, so I'm, I'm happy to engage with anybody who is interested not only in coming to, to the University of Limerick but anything to do you know with early career research. Awesome and I know you have a uh, amazing faculty there a lot of your uh, recent graduates from Limerick are making big waves in the field so um, kudos to you for um, putting on a great program in uh, sport thank you pedagogy and physical education. So um, thank you so much for your time. Um, we're going to link to the article in the notes section um, and all of the um, Twitter handles and ResearchGate stuff. So you can look in the notes section for that. Um, thanks to uh, Kevin Richards and Aaron Santeo for helping out with the podcast. Um, that's all we have for you on this one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>